Welcome to Very Old Money, a podcast that looks at history through money. Episode 2.3, The First Ionian Coins A quick announcement before we begin. The podcast is now available on most podcatchers, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can also subscribe to it on YouTube. The coins listed on the cover art today are from Classical Numismatic Group, LLC. And again, you can view their site at www.cngcoins.com. And again, I'm very grateful for the assistance they have provided in making this podcast possible. It has been almost a century since the disastrous end of the Greco-Turkish War that ended almost three millennia of Greek presence in Western Asia Minor. The settlement of the Greeks in the region may have started under the Mycenaean Greeks during the period of the Hittite Empire, with the Hittites providing a stabilizing influence and restricting piracy. However, it appears to have picked up steam after the fall of the Hittites and soon after the end of the Bronze Age collapse. Some of the Greeks settling on the coast of Western Asia Minor appear to have been refugees. The Ionians are supposed to have been expelled from the Peloponnesus by the newly arrived Dorians, and as they settled in the area around Athens, they were supposedly shipped across the Aegean to the coast of Lydia to avoid overcrowding. Similarly, at the same time, the Aeolians of Boeotia also settled the coast to the north of the region that the Ionians had settled. And then the Dorians, who had newly arrived to Crete and the islands, gradually settled the coast of Caria to the south. Ionia was not geographically very large. It was a coastal strip along the western coast of Asia Minor, but it was dotted with cities. And in the middle of the 7th century BC, 12 of them founded what is called the Ionic or the Pan-Ionic League. Herodotus lists 12 cities in this alliance. Miletus, Maius, and Priene, which are in Caria, spoke the same dialect. Then you have the next group, Ephesus, Colophon, Lepidus, Tios, and Clazomenae, and Phokia, which were in Lydia or the general region generally referred to as Ionia proper, and they spoke another dialect. You have the island of Chios and the city of Erythrae, which are to the west of Clazomenae and Tios, who spoke another dialect. And then there's the island of Samos, which spoke another dialect. And then in 650, this league expanded with the addition of Smyrna, which was from the region of Aeolus. This was the region that the Aeolians of Boeotia had colonized. And Smyrna was detached from Aeolus and joined to the Ionian League. Now, the timing of the creation of this league appears to coincide with the invasion of the Sumerians, episode 2.1. And then also the rise of the Lydian Empire, because as I mentioned, Aliates and then Croesus both tried to bring the Ionians under their control. And even with the Ionian League, gradually the Lydians brought the cities of Ionia under Lydian rule, a process that was completed by Croesus. I will not go into each city-state in detail at this point. They are all fairly important city-states and they have later a fairly developed coinage and I think they will probably deserve an episode each when we get to it, and that will be dealt with in a separate season. So this is an overview of early Ionian coinage, and so this will be just a broad overview of the region. 
Ionia played a huge role in the development of Greek culture. The cities were wealthy before some of the other Greek cities on the other side of the Aegean. And Ionia appears to have had access to the rich electrum deposits that made the kingdom of Lydia wealthy. Ionia is also where Western philosophy begins. The city of Miletus was the homeland of the philosophers Thales, Anaximander, Anaximenes, and then Ephesus was the home of Heraclitus. Ionia also had its own particular school of art. Unfortunately, in the long run, for Ionia, they were on the wrong side of the Aegean. That meant they were exposed to the land empires that were formed in the region. First Lydia, and then the Persians. So while these cities still remained popular and important for a millennium, they eventually lost their independence of action. And their place at the heart of Greek culture would be taken over by cities on the other side of the Aegean, like Athens, Sparta, and later Thebes. Ionia was the first place where many eastern states made contact with the Greek world. And as a result, Ionia is the name by which Greeks became known to the eastern world. Ionia is rendered into Yauna in Old Persian, which resulted in the Persians referring to the Greeks as Yunan. This led to the Hebrew word Yavan and in India as Yavana or Yona. Even today, Greek is referred to as Al-Yunan in Arabic. The traditional Perso-Arabic school of traditional medicine called Unani medicine has its roots from Yunani, that is Greek, and is developed from Arab and Persian elaborations and traditional Greek medicine. So even though the cities of Ionia are now forgotten to history, the name itself survives in a bunch of other languages. Being right next to the electrum deposits that were used for the first Lydian coinage, Ionia minted coins soon after or at the same time as the Lydians did. Lydia generally gets a nod because of the literary tradition that ascribes the origin of coinage to them. But the Ionians could have been first. The early Ionian coins were also in electrum, and they were generally in a globular shape without designs. As previously mentioned, what is critical here is not the shape, but the weight of the coin. Later coins had simple striated and punched patterns of squares, rectangles, swastikas, and land animals. We do not know who issued the earliest types, but the first types may have been personal seals, and these gradually took on the characteristic of civic symbols. So this, But this is still all conjecture. We cannot always assign these symbols to a city. The weight standard helps us in classification because there appear to have been two major and a bunch of minor weight standards. The first is ascribed to the city of Miletus, the so-called Miletian standard, with a stator of roughly 14 grams. And this saw circulation in Lydia and parts of Ionia. As I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, the first Lydian coins appear to have been minted to this standard. The other important standard is the Phocaic standard from the city of Phocaea, and this was about 16 grams, and this is also used in parts of Ionia and Mysia. There are a bunch of other minor local weight standards. And that is one of the challenges of Greek coins because you didn't have a unified Greek states, so you often had a bunch of competing weight standards. And at this point, these two are the important ones. And later, later you will see other weight standards come into play like Athens, Aegina, Corinth, etc. So as I mentioned, the Phocaic standard was about 16 grams and the Miletian standard was about 14 grams. Now, as I mentioned again, this is similar to Lydian coins 
the intrinsic value of the electron even down to the smallest denomination, the 196 stator, was still very high for day-to-day commercial transactions. So it's very likely that these were used for transfers of large sums of monies or major mercantile transactions, paying government expenses, mercenaries, tribute, etc., donatives to individual of the state or religious foundation. And this includes the Artemisian hoard, the one found in the temple of Artemis at Ephesus. That was, again, mentioned a couple of episodes ago. So I have six coins up on the cover art today, and all of them are listed individually on the website that I just wanted to briefly discuss to give you an example of what these early Ionian coins looked like. Now, the first coin on the top left is a hemistator of the Milesian standard, about 16 millimeters in size and 7.26 grams. And the obverse has a flat striated surface as a design and two incused squares on the reverse. The coin below it in the second row on the left is also an electrum coin, but it's a smaller coin, it's a hectare, so that's one-sixth of a stator. And so the size is smaller, 10.5 millimeters, and the weight is, of course, lower, 2.39 grams. Now this also has a flattened striated surface, but the form is unusual. So you have two sets of uniformly parallel lines, but they are bisected down the middle by a single line. And the reverse has two incused squares. Now the actual city that minted both these coins is uncertain, and they're generally dated between 650 and 600 BC. The third coin on the top right is also from an uncertain Ionian city, dated approximately 625 to 600 BC. It's also electrum, and it's a trite, that's a one-third stator, 12 millimeters and 4.64 grams, also on the Milesian standard. So the obverse here is pretty interesting. It's some sort of geometric figure resembling a star. It's composed of a cross centered upon a polygon of eight sides. And this geometric pattern continues in the reverse where you have a rectangular in cues divided horizontally and vertically into four compartments by two perpendicular lines. The upper two compartments are divided into halves by a single line and the upper halves each have one pellet. The lower halves are bisected by two small vertical lines, and the lower two compartments are divided into thirds by two parallel lines. Now, given the simplicity of the earlier design of the striated type, this is significantly more elaborate. We obviously have no idea what this means, but it's a rather interesting design to put on the coin. Continuing on our theme of uncertain Ionian coins on the Milesian standard is the fourth one. This one is Electrum. It's a hectare, which is a six stator, 9.5 mm or 2.35 grams. Again, the Milesian standard. The obverse here has a plain globular surface, but it does have some letters of an unknown script on the edge. And the reverse has an incused rectangle with a geometric pattern. Now, according to CNG, this coin was part of a set of hecti that were discovered with plain obverse and rectangular in cues in the reverse. Initial analysis associates these coins with what are fairly common plain obverse hecti of Ionia with a plain globular surface. So it is possible that this inscribed version is a late issue in the production of this coinage. So while the form of this issue and the metrology are similar to the uninscribed plane issues from the earlier period, according to CNG, the punches on the reverse are very different. These small punches are plain in appearance, devoid of designs, 
and CNG believes that this is not closely associated to the uninscribed plane issues. Now, also, as I mentioned, there is some unknown text on these coins, which is a little unusual for coins of this period. And according to a researcher who was given these group of coins, these were accompanied by a known coin from Karia, which is southwestern Turkey, that dates to the 5th century. So according to that researcher, the surfaces and the fabric of these issues appear highly consistent, so they were probably part of a single hoard. And that in turn suggested that these electrum coins were struck later than the 7th century, possibly as late as the end of the 6th century. Also, according to CNG, the letters appear similar to a number of glyphs in various alphabets, but it resembles the alphabet of the Carian alphabet, but the exact interpretation of the legends is uncertain. The actual inscription might be longer because the visibility is hampered by the low relief of the letters and the position at the edge of the die. So we don't exactly know what's on the what's the text on these coins. But it's an interesting piece and which is why I put it up there as one of the examples of coins of this period. And it's also an example of some of the mysteries with early coinage as you try to figure out who issued them, where they come from, can you attribute them to a particular time period, region, so on and so forth. Now the coin at the bottom left, we move away from Ionia to Mysia, to the city of Kizikos. Dated a little later, 600 to 550 BC, it's Electrum Hemihecte, so that's a 112 stator, and it's 8 millimeters and 1.32 grams. Now the obverse actually has the image of an animal, in this case the head of a tunny fish, and all Kizikos coins, regardless of size, have a tunny fish on them, which appears to have been very important to the economy. The bigger coins will typically have the full fish, here you just have the head of the fish. And the reverse has an incuse punch, and this is this coin dates basically from about the beginning of electrum coinage from Kizikos. CNG in the coin description also cites the orator Aristoteles in the second century BC, giving a speech regarding the people of Kizikos. It is enough for one just to glance at the location and the nature of the city to immediately understand that the name blissful given to it by God was factual. So convenient is its land and its sea. As it is built in front of Asia Minor, and since its dominion extends from the Black Sea to the Hellespont, Kizikos joins the two seas together, or rather all the seas that the man navigates. The ships continuously pass by or arrive at the harbor or depart from the harbor. Justly it should be called blissful, just as is Corinth, because as it is built in the mid part of the seas, it joins as if it was the center of the world. All men who sail the Mediterranean, from Gibraltar to Colchis, at the far side of the Black Sea. Now Gibraltar, the Greek period, was referred to as the Pillars of Hercules, so this is a later translation, just to clarify that. The name Gibraltar itself will not show up until the Arab conquest of Spain. The last coin at the bottom right, we return back to Ionia for a hemihecte, a 12-stater, and again, this is a later coin, as you can see from the image, it's about 600 to 550 BC. It's a hemihecta, as I said, so 7.5 mm and 1.33 grams. 
And this coin is actually minted to the Fokake standard, not the standard of Miletus. Now you can notice here the obverse has a fairly detailed scorpion and the reverse has an ink square. And it's probably because of the clear design of the animal, this coin is dated a little later. Greek coins can be a delight for animal lovers, which all sorts of animals show up on it, from rabbits to bulls to horses to pigs to boars. And this is an early example of that, assuming anybody actually loves scorpions. So now, with the exception of one coin here that had the carrion alphabet on this, none of the coins here today have any text on them. So the next time, we will conclude this initial survey of early Ionian coinage with a look at the first coin with Greek legends in I Am the Badge of Phanes. So see you soon. If you like this episode, please give this podcast a 5-star review on iTunes or the podcatcher from where you access this podcast. This is a new podcast and good reviews are essential in getting the word out. So thank you in advance for your support.